Hogan of Kennesaw State University in Georgia. We've just been conversing about this. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this morning. You're going to talk about something that I think is really super interesting, which is really sort of like the changing nature of what we all thought we knew about public education and how the structure is a little bit more fluid. In particular, I just want to say um, EdChoice, an organization in Indiana, has been doing monthly polling since the pandemic started of parents and then voters and different groups and asking the same questions and then some different ones every month. I think it's fascinating. But the one thing that has been very intriguing to me after the pandemic, after the schools reopened, is they continue to ask parents how many days a week would be the ideal for you for your kids to be in a school building or at home. And I would have thought that it would be some group that says five days at home, a very small group, and then there, everybody else says five days in school. But what really has stuck up until now is about 40% of parents say they'd actually like to have their kids home two to three days a week. What do you say to that? Yeah, well, yeah, no. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this yeah. is a topic that is um, very important to me. Um, I, I run something called the National Hybrid Schools Project down here at Kennesaw State. Um, and so I've been doing academic research on, on these sorts of schools for almost... 10 years now. Hmm. And so, you know, the ed choice is picking up a trend that was kind of happening before COVID, which is that people were getting more interested in doing these kind of interesting, um, low cost, sort of part time schools, um, where the kids go to a physical building with classmates and desks and teachers two or three days a week, usually, and then they're homeschooled the rest of the week. So there have been versions of this, you know, private versions, a, a few public versions, for Wasn't almost, there a charter school yeah. network like that for a long time? Yeah, there are charter schools that have been doing this for, for okay. some time now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but they've been around for, for decades. Um, and it was increasing in popularity up until COVID. And then as with so many things, COVID, we just got more of it after COVID happened. So so people saw that this was a kind of a school model that could work. They saw that they had friends doing it. And they got really interested in it post-COVID. So I think that's part of what EdChoice is picking up. So it's growing. Oh, it's going all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to me. Is it because people are working from home? Because it would seem to me, I mean, if we're if we're being honest, right, our system of public education has developed into a system of, I don't want to say free childcare, but you know where your kids are, like from the 70s forward. When we started doing all day kindergarten, you could put your child on a bus, you know kind of where they are, you sort of know what they're doing all day. They're probably having lunch by going outside or to a gym a little bit, and then they come home on a school bus. And you could have two income families, you could have single moms with jobs, and, and there was this assurity that your kids were in a safe place. Has that changed? Well, I don't, I think what's changed is a couple of things. One is uh, you mentioned people working from home. That's another thing that was kind of starting to kind of happen before COVID. And then, as everybody knows, it, it's all over the place now. So, so that makes it um, more plausible for people to have their kids at home a couple of days a week. To kind of monitor their work. I think another thing that's improved is just sort of the technology and the and the published materials that are out there. So there's a long there's a long history of uh, homeschool materials, but but um, those are now sort of being adapted for these kinds of schools, and they're more available now. And then I think the third thing that I'll just mention real quick is that this is sort of snowballing, right? As we've got younger parents who maybe only ever went to these kinds of schools or or had unique kind of um, uh, educational experiences, and now they're in jobs that only go to an office a couple of days a week. I think it seems weird 
to someone who's young as a parent to send their kid to a building for 30 or 40 hours a week. So I think all of these things together are kind of increasing what's going on in these in this space. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So just to kind of recap, you know, I've been looking at more choice programs across the country, which brings up the question like, okay, you can give kids their state funding and a scholarship, but where are all the programs that are going to, uh, where they can spend that money? So I've been looking at that and you have like um, virtual music lessons, virtual yoga programs, virtual, like, all you know, the pandemic created all of these things where you're like, wow, I can do just AP classes online, just at home. I don't have to be part of this big network of things. And that just exploded the supply side. But um, also, I, I I say this a lot about today's generation of young parents, the idea that you're just going to buy a house and then hope for the best, that it's attached to a school that works out great for your kids. And if not, you just sit on your hands and wait for it to be over. I think that is, that's got to be in the rear view. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's true. Uh, but, you know, people used to buy houses and say, well, I'm buying into this school district or or whatever. Um, so w- there's less of that, but I don't think that gets rid of people's need or desire for some kind of community. Right. And I think these schools are kind of starting to fill that sort of niche. So it's these, the schools that I tend to work with, these part-time schools are uh, tend to be easier to start up than say a five-day private school where you have to raise all this money for full-time uh, salaries and benefits. Um, you know, if they're private, they don't need uh, to go through the whole process that a charter goes through to get approval from its competitors to open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of easier to start up, but they but they also serve that kind of community niche that people have, but but is not being fulfilled by the by the you know most of the existing public school systems anymore. Yeah, I think people used to think of homeschooling pre-pandemic for sure, and maybe 10 years prior to that as like these kind of oddball groups of people and the, the kids stay home all day and they don't interact with any other children ever and they learn to write in italics. And, you know, like they had this connotation of like kind of oddball people doing this thing. And I and then homeschool groups were forming and like maybe the kids would get together and put on a play or they they saw this need. And so to me, this neatly fills kind of that need where you want to homeschool, but you you don't want your child to just spend, you know, all of their time with you and their siblings. You want them to be part of something bigger. So this does that. But my question is, yeah, who's in charge of the child's education then? Is there a teacher on the two days when they're in the building? Is that teacher the one saying, okay, your assignment for this week in spelling is this list of words? Or is the parent the one running the show for the child's education? Yeah. So that, that last question actually really depends on the culture or the sort of the vibe of the school, right? So um, so you can have two schools that both meet, say, in person two days a week, and they're homeschooled three days a week. Um, at school A, you might have a situation where the the kid or the parent um, prints off a, a, a very detailed lesson plan, and they work through that, um, you know, and they have a schedule for the days that they're at home. Um, and at school B, you might have a situation where the the parents are said are told okay we're studying this in school please do some enrichment on these activities right on these topics while you're at home so um, different schools have different um, expectations for what's going on um, on the home days but I think the one of the really um, popular benefits of these schools is just it really forces families to be so much more involved just by their nature and what's going on in the day to day of these of their operations. Right. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. kind of came out of the pandemic as well, right? Where when it first happened, we were all trapped in our houses and no one was very happy and parents were 
there with their kids and then kind of watching what they were doing. And I think in a lot of cases, questioning what they were doing, like, I'm sorry, when did long division go away? Did I miss something? <laughs> like, we're not carrying ones anymore. Like people were like, oh, that's weird. And then uh, to where I think it seems like with these polls that show parents want their kids home a couple of days a week, they kind of liked that just not blind faith that when they send them on the bus and then they come home, something happens in the middle, but like having a little bit more of a window into that, maybe one or two days a week. But where, uh, where do they meet on the in-school days? What do they do about facilities? Do they rotate families or... Yeah, so these these are all over the place too. So these schools have lots of different origin stories, right? Um, I, I my wife and I helped um, start a high school program at an existing hybrid school about twelve years ago, um, and that one started as a group of homeschool families who met in a basement, and then they uh, more families joined, so they had to meet in the basement and the dining room, and then uh, eventually they said, "All right, this is this is becoming too much," so we'll become more formal. We'll get uniforms. We'll rent space from a private school, an, an yeah. existing private school. And then we have since built our own building, right? So that's one way to do it. Um, uh, other schools start maybe as ministries of churches. So I, there are a lot of churches um, that either start these schools themselves or they host schools. So someone will, will come up with a school idea and approach the church um, and host them. Um so yeah, so they're in all kinds of different places. It just depends on on size and who's willing to have them. So you now have uh, a whole center, the National Hybrid Schools Project, which mm -hmm. folks can see at the Kennesaw State University uh, webpage. Um, it's really interesting to me, but what you're doing, it seems like now is starting to put together like research on the effectiveness of these or research around what? Yeah, so we do a couple of things. Um, we do... Uh, academic research, we do kind of policy writing and we do uh, big convenings, which I could talk about later, but yeah. we, uh, yeah. So a lot of research just starts with counting, right? So we've spent a lot of time the past couple of years, just kind of getting a sense of the landscape of these schools, right? Where are they? Um, um, how much do they charge in tuition? What's their, what's their, uh, kind of operational situation. So we're now getting to the point where we, we can get um, construct kind of bigger data set to start doing some some work on outcomes. Uh, and so some of the stuff we're interested in are things like, um, yeah, academic outcomes, and then just what, what do these schools value in terms of outcomes and accountability, right? Because I think this is going to look a lot different from sort of the no child left behind era, um, uh, sort of test by grade sort of, sort of uh, approach. What are you finding in that regard? Yeah, they're all over the place, right? Yeah. So we're so we're just getting started, right? But they they uh, they um, people are interested in things like uh, character outcomes and civic outcomes, right? Do you vote? Um, do you do you volunteer regularly? Do you do things like this? Um, they're less interested in things like uh, is everyone getting into the the very highest rated U.S. News and World Report college, right? But they might have a, a subset of colleges that they think are really good that fit the theme of that school, and that that also speaks to kind of the the draw of these schools is because they tend to be small, right? They're on average two hundred kids or less, K twelve, um, but instead of being in a, in a huge you know, comprehensive, everything to everybody kind of environment, they can be more high identity and themed. And so people are kind of choosing, you know, the religious school or the outdoor school or the project-based school or the STEM school that they think suits them the best. And that's, that's kind of the thing that they're, that they're kind of more interested in. 
I'm a firm believer that if parents are <clears throat> very closely involved in the process and the outcomes, and not everybody can be and not everybody wants to be, but if that is the case, the idea that in a state like Missouri, um, 25% of our eighth graders are proficient in math, you just wouldn't have that outcome. If if parents were directly involved on a day-to-day -day basis in their kids' education, as these parents have chosen to do, you aren't going to have, in my opinion, 75% of them just we didn't, we didn't get there. You know, they didn't learn math. They're not on great. Like they wouldn't, you know, they, they are be so less likely to take like no for an answer in that situation. Well, you, you can't help, but notice things, right? When you, when you're looking at the kid, at your, your child's um, work every other day, right. You can't, you can't help, but notice, okay. I, you know, I can tell you're not getting this, right. right I'm right. not, I'm not just sort of, uh, trusting the, the teacher to hand. And the problem is you find out too late in, in a lot of cases, yeah. right? But in these situations, you you can't help it. That's right. And, and you know, parents know when their kids can't read and they're starting middle school and, uh, but they a lot of times just don't know what to do. And they hope that this, the system will put more resources into their child or money or something. And they kind of hope for the best, but they know when it's going on. And, and I think one good thing that's come out of the pandemic is we've gotten parents reconnected to their child's education in a way. Even parents who are still sending their kids five days a week yeah. are are somewhat more connected and invested and um, hopefully will uh, have a better voice at the table when things aren't going well. Yeah, I think that's right. I think people are just more more in interest or they're, they were reminded about how invested they need to be. Yeah. yeah, it used to be parents first and then the schools and it switched to schools first and then parents. And now I think we can get let that pendulum swing back a little bit to where it's more of a joint project. But um, which kind of is a weird segue into the one topic I do want to talk to you about, which is <laughs> in Missouri. I think 20 percent or more of our school districts have made a major change to the basic structure of how they operate and. um in some cases haven't involved parents at all, but have just sort of like decreed upon parents that from now on, rather than your kids coming to school here five days a week, they're going to come four day. The four day school week has become very popular with districts in Missouri, not so popular with parents. We've been finding at the Show Me Institute. So when you take uh, the traditional structure and you change it into something new and then you force it upon people, I can't imagine that that is going to lead to stronger connections. What do you think? Well, it's if that's you know a tricky about thing. the four day school week, please tell me what you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we don't have so many of those in Georgia. Right. Um, there, there's at least one school system that does that, but but really, yeah. But but it is a different sort of thing when you say, okay, look, we're going to open this school and we're going to meet two or three days a week, and um, that means that implies certain expectations uh, on you as a parent on the home days, whether it's just doing enrichment or whether it's doing a very like detailed lesson plan or whatever, um, parents kind of know what they're opting into with that. And, and a lot of people will say, no, that sounds great. Um, I want to be more involved and I'm, and I'm able to, I have the time and the, the resources to do that. And other people say, you know what? I'm out. I, I don't want that. <laughs> right. right. So that's sort of a different thing than saying, um, you know, we're just going to cancel one day of school every week. Um, and I don't know, you know, it, I think it would matter a lot what happens on these home days. Like what are the expectations for, for parents and families on the home days, right? Like I said, hybrid schools, you know, you have lesson plans. Um, most of these schools count those home days. Uh, they, they expect the parents to do something on the home days because they count them towards accreditation if they're accredited, 
right? Mm -hmm. um, my my impression is, um, in a lot of places, the 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 day that they've removed from the calendar tends to be more for things like uh, doctor's appointments and chores and and that sort of thing. If you're home, if you're if not you're home, home, you have to find a place for them. Oh, to right? Are you either do that or just handle it? Right? <laughs> That's a very different sort of uh, ask of parents. I think it's not even an ask, right? It's a it's a yeah. it's a, a a new demand that you're putting on them. And in a lot of cases, they're opening the school building. So it's like a sort of, you know, extended boys and girls club or after school program. So the kids have somewhere to go. But I don't know, you opened a high school. How many high school students are you aware of who would simply go hang out in the school building all day? They're going to say, <laughs> I'm 15. I'm not, I'll stay home alone. Right. And and then you're gonna have a lot more kids uh, on a, unsupervised for that time period, whether they should be or not. To me, I'm with you. If if you offer this program and there are parents that go, that that's that's awesome. And then on Fridays, we'll do fun things. Great. But if you force it upon some, uh, the, all the families, and then in Missouri, we don't have school choice. So you can't leave. We, we don't even have open enrollment between districts. Mm -hmm. Your district does this, you know, too bad, so sad. You are stuck with it. You can't even go to the district next door. And like I said, I don't know if it's like, um, if it's like, what's the word? a fad if it's if it's like in missouri so many have done it that more are just doing it we're like more than one in five district has done it now but it's obviously very acceptable and they changed the law um to the mandatory number of days per year has become mandatory number of hours and they're accommodating this idea and there are a lot of parents who are like this does not work for my family so we've been digging in on it you are going to be uh, participating in an event show me institute's having on the four-day school week um Fe february 26th and I just think that also what's kind of interesting about it, which might be similar to hybrid homeschools, is there's not a big body of knowledge over the impact of this. Like it's new, it's happening. We can't, you know, it's it's already happened uh, based on some school boards saying we think it's going to be great, <laughs> but we really don't know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it, it is similar to hybrid schooling in the sense that there's not a huge body of knowledge on that yeah. either yet. Like we're working on mm -hmm. it. And I know there's some work that's been done on four-day school weeks, but we re we're we really not sure. Yeah. Um, but the difference is with hybrid schools, you're sort of like, okay, I know there's not a big body of knowledge, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to opt in. Right, right. right. With the four-day school weeks, you're sort of being told. So it seems, it seems rational to me if you're going to require that you might, you might give the parents some other sort of option right um if you're going to require it uh so, yeah where do you see going back to the hybrid <clears throat> school idea where do you see public education in say 10 years do you think that we are that we hit an inflection point starting in about 2020 and it's not going to go back to what it was in the 1980s or 50s? Or do you think that the dust is going to settle from the pandemic and and we're just going to go back to sort of how things were and you go to your one assigned school and you stay five days a week? What do you, I mean, I think I know your answer, but what do you think? Yeah, I think there's no way we go back. I think we are in kind of a chaotic moment right now where all this stuff is coming up and we're not really sure. Um, you know, there's a pent up demand for, for even more of these hybrid schools and micro schools. But yep. some of the some of the maybe funders and and maybe entrepreneurs who are interested in doing it um, are not quite sure what uh, what this might look like at a bigger scale. Um, but at the same time, um, there's no way a families are going to say, "Look, um, we had all this like interesting <laughs> opportunity and choice for a couple of years. 
but never mind. I, I want to go back to a, to a bigger thing. Right. And especially like we talked about younger parents, I, there's no way there's someone's going to, someone's going to start, um, you know, on average, right. There, there are surely there'll be individual cases, but like on, on average, there's not going to be a, a whole batch of parents who, who have kids and they homeschool them, or they go to these really interesting and creative small schools and then say, never mind. Um, let's go back. I, I need, I need a five that I graduated from a, from an almost 4,000 student high school. Let's go to a 4,000 student high school again. Right. Yeah. I think so. The plateau is going to, it's going to stay. And you know, there's a, there's a core of people who have been doing this, like I said, since the nineties, at least and homeschoolers longer than that. Right. So there's, there's no, there's no going back to, you know, 95% of students uh, just going to their assigned school. Yeah, it's down to about 65% now because there's a survey done by the federal government called the National Household Education Survey that I've been following since a long time, the late 90s. And that number that uh, when they asked, does your child go to their assigned public school, chosen public school, private school, homeschool? The shift has been away from assigned public school for some time now, and I just don't think people knew it. I think people, lots of people just think that everyone still goes to their assigned public school. It's down to like two thirds. And so as those people have kids, that number is just going to get bigger. And in a lot of states or some states, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa, homeschool parents are beginning to, in Florida for sure, enter in the, into these publicly funded scholarship programs, mm-hmm. right? So now you can get public funding in Missouri. We're still very, very nervous about that. We have really nice homeschooling laws and they homeschoolers do not want us anywhere near them. They right. want to stay right. 100% away from them, which I understand because it's easy to homeschool in Missouri. And that's what people want to do. And they're really concerned that if you take government money, then the government's going to start looking into how you're homeschooling and they don't want any of that. And I understand that. But um, <clears throat> I think as we see more examples in states like West Virginia, where if a parent can get a few thousand dollars to help them with their homeschooling, that actually can be a big benefit. And and maybe that will encourage more people who didn't think they could afford to homeschool to be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, so that shows two points that the homeschooling is an important one and it, and it is a tricky tension to navigate as these things come up because all of these um, hybrid schools and micro schools and things uh, in different states really are based on state homeschool laws. So you, you should really respect the kind of the people who have been doing it for a long time and have a lot of uh, time and effort invested into making that kind of more free landscape possible. You don't want to mess them up. Um, by by adding in a bunch of new people, the other new group that that really could uh, help expand all this um, and is starting to catch on is teachers, right? So there's all kinds of teachers who are starting up uh, hybrid schools and micro schools um, after having a few years of experience, and they say, you know what, I um, I can do this, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't need to be a, a cog in, in this gigantic machine. I I can serve a, a smaller number of kids. On my own, uh, so I think as that kind of snowballs, that'll that'll be, lead to another kind of step up on the plateau. Yeah, I think we have a tendency. I just, I guess, I'll speak for Missouri to ignore the teachers as entrepreneurs aspect. And so, what happens? What what I've seen happen is a lot of our potentially best and brightest young teachers leave the profession because they're like, mm-hmm. you know, I can't get anywhere. I can't work harder and make more money. I, you know, I'm staying till five. Everyone's leaving at three. I have to go to faculty meetings and there's, you know, the faculty infighting and all of that kind of stuff and they leave and they go somewhere else. And we lose some of our best teachers because we don't recognize their need to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. I mean, teachers aren't really um, 
that's not in their background a lot of times, but but for some of them, they're interested in that, right? Or or people who who you know the ones we we don't see that never enter into teaching because they think there's no entrepreneurial path for them, right? Maybe we yeah. could draw more of that type in. Yeah. So I botched um, discussing your website before, but if folks want to find, I know that there's a lot of people who are thinking when they listen to this, like maybe I want to do this. Where can they get more information? Yeah. So uh, look up the National Hybrid Schools Project at Kennesaw State University. Um, so there's stuff on our website. The very best thing you can do is come to our conference in April. So we host an annual conference uh, in Atlanta um, where we bring together just people doing all kinds of schools. So so it's a really great environment to to learn from people who have done it for a long time, who um, who are just getting started, who are kind of on the outskirts and kind of doing things to support these schools. Um, and it's, I think it's a really great environment. We have all kinds of schools. So there are religious schools, non-religious schools, classical, STEM, like everybody uh, is welcome. So okay. that's really the best place to kind of learn more about what's going on in this sector. And we'll certainly put up links to the um, National Hybrid Schools Project. And again, you will be on an event. You will be uh, doing an event with the Show Me Institute February 26th. And I just love that we are you know, creating outlets for these people who want more and want to get creative with their child's education and helping them um, figure out ways to do it. I think I probably would have wanted to do that when my kids were little, they're all grown, but I think it's really exciting stuff. So I appreciate you explaining it to us. And I look forward to reading your research as it, as it comes in. Yeah, no, thank you so much.